Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Danny Parkin Joining Show. Joining me now on CBS Sports Radio and the Danny Parkin Show is quite simply one of the best NFL reporters, columnists, podcasters, analysts in the business. He is at Therese Paler on Twitter. He works for Yahoo Sports, and his Yahoo NFL podcast with Charles Robinson is must-listen. And they've also been going deep on football movies and sports movies recently, which we will get into if we have time. It's my man, Therese Paler, back on CBS Sports Radio. Therese, what's good, buddy? Park, park. What's going on, man? So, you know, I, I'm i loving – we're having a long conversation on the show tonight, and I'll be honest, um, it's maybe not the best trait of a sports radio host to not have a definitive opinion on it, but I, I think it's nuanced when we're talking player discipline in the NFL. Yeah. We'll get into all of that, but let's start with the jumping-off point, which is Tyreek Hill. You've been reporting on this uh, his entire pro career. What was your reaction to no punishment, no suspension for Tyreek Hill from the league? Not totally surprised. Um, I'd also like to address something you just said quickly. Like you mentioned, like it's not great to be a radio host without like a take. But I feel like a situation like this that involves a child, which means that a lot of the information that we typically can't, that we can typically get, we can't because this is kind of a sealed case, means that restraint is important, right? Like this involves a child. And because we can't get some of these documents, like restraint was important. So just, just a little sidebar there. But, no, but I, general, I, I, appre- I appreciate that. That's fair. Yeah. Like that's important. But in general, was I surprised? No. Um, you know, I'm, I still go on 610 in Kansas city and uh, I've been talking to them for the last month and I've been telling people, listen, I had sources telling me they thought that Tyreek wouldn't get any discipline. And if he did, it'd be two to four games. And, the wild card was Roger Goodell. Like, that's all the information people were getting, but Roger Goodell could always do what he wants. So the next question to that is, why would you think that Tyreek Hill wouldn't be disciplined? Well, Tyreek Hill had an eight-and-a-half-hour-long meeting with the NFL in late June. That was a meeting that multiple sources told me Tyreek was very much looking forward to attending, and I don't know how common that is. Uh, players being investigated for discipline, looking forward to meeting to the league, but that was something he even wanted to do for at least a month. Um, and if you read the letter that he presented, that, that leak that was presented to the NFL, you know, the, the letter states that he had a lot of evidence kind of backing up his claim that he didn't do anything to the child, you know, trying to explain kind of what happened. So I know this is a long answer for sports radio, but in general, you know, there were a lot of people who believed that Tyreek Hill's evidence was strong. And if you look at what the NFL ended up doing, I don't, I'm not sure that the big, big jump to say that the NFL must have felt the same way too. In the collective bargaining agreement, the personal conduct policy, it writes that uh, players can be suspended for actual or threatened physical mm-hmm. violence. Jimmy Smith, there's mm-hmm. precedent uh, for threatening language with the Ravens got four games. 
Tyreek Hill said on the recording, you should be terrified of me too, B-word. And his own lawyer said, obviously, those comments are unacceptable. Why did that threatening language not violate the personal conduct policy? No idea. That's a better question for the league. But what I, what I do think is that we don't know everything else that he presented them. Right. Okay? We don't know whatever. I mean, that was an eight-and-a-half-hour meeting. Like, they weren't playing tiddlywinks. So they, they were talking about stuff. Um, we don't know um, what, what he gave them um, to potentially provide clarity for that entire conversation. We did hear the entire audio come out. Um, and I think that was, like, kind of the first time people at least started to think that there was, like, another side to this story. Um, look, like one of the reasons I think, you know, some people appreciate the way I reported this is because like, I haven't given a lot of opinions on it because I'm humble enough to kind of know, like, I, I, I'm not going to know everything just because of the situation. And just again, because it involves a minor, we're not going to have like all the information that you typically would. Um, so I'm not sure, you know, but I, I do know that was a long meeting and at least from uh, Tyreek Hill's perspective and the Chiefs, they, they felt it went very well. So, um, I think you can kind of, Yes, why? But I'm not going to sit up here and say why. All right, well, so then let's zoom out a bit. We're talking to Therese Paler, Yahoo NFL podcast, as smart a football conversation as you can find with Therese and Charles Robinson. Do you think the NFL, on a league level, should be in the business of punishing and suspending players for off-field conduct? So... That's a, that's a good question, and we haven't actually like dived into that too much on the podcast. But um, all, all just off the jump, I wonder how you can't like you're the NFL. Every league like suspends players for like discipline, right? Um, I wonder if that should be limited to people who are charged. So you like let the legal system do its job, and if you get charged, you know, hey, you know something's coming. If you don't. You know, nothing's coming. I wonder if, you know, that might be a better way. But, you know, you kind of well, have to have some mechanism to punish players. But but can it be more consistent? Yes. Can you find a way to standardize it? Yes. That's the NFL's job. They should find a way to do that. Well, because that, that's kind of where I've been. I've been having the conversation on the show, and that's where what I, I find it to be interesting. Like, baseball – says, you know, performance enhancing drugs, first offense this, second offense this, third offense this, and they follow it. Same thing with their domestic violence policy. I'm wondering if on the NFL level, since they've been so inconsistent with Ray Rice and Greg Hardy and Ezekiel Elliott and Josh Brown and Tyreek Hill and on and on and on and on, if they wouldn't be better off treating it like a state's rights thing and say, hey, these are employees of employers, and it's up to the teams to either discipline or not discipline their players, and then we'll deal with it on a league level on appeal if it gets there. I wonder if that would be cleaner for the NFL. One of the reasons we've always had like good conversations is because like you bring like theories to the table, not just conspiracy theories, but like stuff like this. Like I like that. Um, states' rights, I like that. Um, I think the NFL's got to find a way to like standardize this, so it's to kind of take the decision out of their hands. And then if people criticize them for it, they can point back at the CBA and say, "Hey, you know, we negotiated this. What do you want us to do?" The problem with the National Football League is that, I mean, honestly, Danny, football is a great sport, right? Like it's a lot of fun to watch, but a lot of times the league gets in the way. 
and takes away from the game of football through ridiculousness. Like, we could be talking about football, like an Odell Beckham being a great, you know, let's talk about the great players and the great teams. Like, stop trying to find, stop making the shield a thing. I'm with you. I would try to definitely find a way to standardize this and, and kind of be able to wash their hands of this discipline thing because it creates far too many headlines, far too many reasons for radio hosts and columnists to rip them when, to be honest, they have arguably the greatest sport in America with some of the greatest athletes and honestly a product that's really fun and players that are outstanding, especially in today's past-happy era. So I'm actually with you, man, but let's find a way to do it. I don't know what that looks like, but let's find a way to do it. Well, I know you've always appreciated my theories, and so I I can't help but theorize that if Ezekiel Elliott and Tyreek Hill have the exact same evidence, you know, we can only deal with the evidence that's public, right? So let's just, based on what we know, if these incidents were 2016 incidents or 2017 incidents instead of 2019 incidents, I... I believe they're suspended. So I, I'm wondering if Roger Goodell, without putting out a memorandum of any kind, is just like, yeah, we messed up. We went too far a couple of mm-hmm. years ago. It led to too much conversation. It led to ratings dropping. So unless it's overwhelming, I'm going to err on the side of no discipline. I wonder about that, too. Um, I, I think there might be something to it. I'm not willing to rule out that this could be affected by the next CBA coming up and this kind of being something where they were good to see this could be the future. You know, you guys might have to give on this, but this could, you know, I, cause the NFL uses everything as a bargaining chip. You will never go wrong. Assuming the NFL doing something that makes sense business wise. Okay. Um, these are 32 very rich owners for a reason. They're business savvy and they know what they're doing. So I think there's something to that. Um, and it's, I think it's going to be interesting to see if this pattern continues because three years ago, wasn't that far off the Ray Rice thing? I, mean, I, I think you could probably assume. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Tyreek and Ezekiel both got suspended, right? But, you know, time does change things. Therese Paler, Yahoo NFL podcast with Charles Robinson is our guest. All right, so let's let's talk about the beautiful game of football and what we both love so much about it, which is, of course, Sundays and the games and the strategy right, right, right. and the storylines. What storyline interests you the most? If you had to pick one, Therese can only cover and report and watch one NFL on-field story this year. Which one are you choosing? Good question. Look, I, I, look, I've been Kansas City 13 years, and everyone's predicted Patrick Mahomes is going to regress. I, I'm not so sure. This guy's an amazing football player. Like, it, it's been really cool to, like, because I was a beat writer at the start before I became a national guy with Yahoo. It's been really cool to see him, like, you know, covered him his first year, backing up Alex Smith, hearing the whispers from the locker room, all those guys like, hey, you got to see this guy. You can't believe. And then I actually see him go out there and do it and kill it at an MVP level. Winning the MVP as the youngest player um, in 35 years is special. And I, I'm really excited to see what he can do next. Um, another one. You only asked for one, but I'll give you another one. Can't wait to see what happens in Cleveland. John Dorsey knows talent. He knows how to evaluate players. He has built a really talented football team. Can Freddie Kitchens keep these big personalities in control, okay? Because a lot of personality in that locker room, a lot of talent, but if but if the alphas don't take care of that and lead those guys from the front, things can blow up as well. 
So I'm going to be keeping a close eye on Cleveland this year for sure, as well as Kansas City. Yeah, I think the, both of those are obviously fascinating, and they'd, they'd be on my uh, my Mount Rushmore. Sports Radio loves Mount Rushmore's. Mm-hmm. The one, the <laughs> one, the one I'd put above both of them is mm-hmm. the Aaron Rodgers Matt Lafleur dynamic in Green That's Bay. Because mm-hmm. Rodgers and Mahomes is going to challenge this, I think, but Rodgers is still the most talented player I've ever seen play quarterback. And, yeah. Matt Laf- and Matt LaFleur, as a first-time coach, has been charged with the rest of his prime. However long it is, it's this guy who has to figure it out. And we know that Aaron Rodgers isn't easy to coach. So to me, yeah. that is such a boomer bust situation with a Hall of Fame talent. I have no idea how it's going to go. Can I play devil's advocate? Yeah. Rodgers is 39. So, like, at some point, look, you can't deny his productivity. You can't deny. He's 35. Um, oh, what did I say? 30, 39? Okay. Yeah, yeah you right. said 39. Yeah, Rod, okay, Rod, so Rod, Rodgers okay. 35. So, so it's the rest, whatever, whatever's left of his prime Matt LaFleur has. Okay. So if you look at it that way, I'm just going to lean toward the young guns. Is, yeah. Baker, is Baker Mayfield going to totally make it? Um, you know, will Mahomes be able to lead this team to the Super Bowl? I think that's fascinating. And, like, I feel like that's definitely on the Mount Rushmore, too. But for me, this is still a player's league, and this is still like a young player's league. Um, And, look, I'm going to take a trip to Green Bay, like, in a few weeks. So, look, I'm going to be keeping an eye out for that, too. But you look at guys who, like, generate clicks and generate, like, headlines and generally seem to, like, really kind of capture the – the nation's imagination. Baker's actually up there already. And Mahomes, if he's not there yet, will like will be there. Like I think Mahomes might be hurt just because Kansas City is a little market. But he's such a special player. When people watch him, they can't stop. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I mean look, these quarterbacks are all really fascinating. I, this is a quarterback's league more than ever, you know? Um so basically any storyline involving like a quarterback for fantasy reasons is gonna be great. Um I, I think this has a chance to be um, just like last year, a league, uh, a season where more passing yards are thrown for than ever, more passing touchdowns are thrown for than ever, and people who play fantasy football are happy and interested. Do you think it's ridiculous when talking about Mahomes to say that he's Aaron Rodgers if Aaron Rodgers got elite coaching from the beginning of his career? No, no, no. It's very similar. I mean, Mahomes has the Brett Favre, Fran Tarkenton, Rodgers dream. I mean, it. It's all right there, you know. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I think, you know, quarterbacks like that that can make stuff happen, they're rare. Um, Rodgers has it. Mahomes has it. Um, and if Matt LaFleur can get the best out of Aaron Rodgers, they're not done, you know. Like Tom Brady's proven you can keep winning in a major way until your 40s. Let's see what that looks like. Um, but LaFleur's going to have to earn Aaron Rodgers' respect. I don't think that's an easy thing to do, talking to people throughout the league. Um, but So if he does it, watch out, because they've got some young talent that still has to blossom around them. But if they do, having a great quarterback is still the number one thing that can get you to the Super Bowl. And I'm not sure I'm comfortable feeling 100% that a player like Aaron Rodgers, who's great as he is, you in Hall of Famer, all that, will go down with only one Super Bowl win. I don't know how I feel about that. I, I, I think there, there still might be a surprise one left down the road here. 
I'm with you. I, I think we haven't heard the last of him as a as a dominant force in uh, in December and January. Therese Paler, host of the Yahoo NFL podcast with Charles Robinson. He's always generous with his time for this show if he can make it happen. So, Therese, I appreciate you, man, and hopefully we'll talk and see each other soon. Yeah, for sure, man. Appreciate it. Of course, I appreciate you. That's Therese Paler from Yahoo Sports. And I should mention, we're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studio. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. 855-212-4CBS is the number. I love Therese's stories of Mahomes backing up his MVP season and Cleveland with expectations. I gave him Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. If I'm rounding out a top four of NFL storylines for this season, I will give you my fourth and final one coming up next. We can hear from you on this as well. It's the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio. This is the Danny Parkin Show. Thanks for hanging out with the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio. CBSSportsRadio.com, Radio.com Sports. You can interact with me at Danny Parkins on Twitter, the network at CBS Sports Radio, where our toll-free line is 855-212-4227, and it's brought to you by GEICO. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to GEICO. Go to GEICO.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. This upcoming week is the last week without a football game. Until February. Yeah. I'm excited too. It's pretty, pretty, pretty great. So what's going to happen? You got the Hall of Fame game a week from Thursday. Teams are reporting for camp uh, all this week. And away we go. Now, what happens to me every year is I get really excited for football to start with teams reporting for camp. And then I immediately... Uh, get angry about the stories that come out of said camps because it's just nonsense. It's just largely nonsense and it's a consistent morphine drip of it. It's competitions that don't really matter. It's four preseason games and the only news that comes out that is significant is either contractual holdouts, extensions, that sort of thing. Or injuries. There are very few stories where it's like, oh, wow, that's truly meaningful. So I'm not a huge fan, frankly, of fake sports. I don't like preseason and in the NBA. I don't like spring training baseball. I don't like preseason football. I feel like I watch enough sports that matters that it's really hard for me to have the bandwidth for sports that don't. I get why they matter to teams. People always like, well, I mean, this is how the practice squad guys get determined. Like, yeah, I know. I, I, I know why coaches like it. I know why general managers like it. It's just not really for me. My four top stories for the upcoming season, beyond the obvious of, will Tom Brady ever age? Like, if you remove the Patriots from the equation, because I and many of us have been calling for the end of the Patriots reign for a while now, I picked the Chargers to beat him in the AFC playoffs last year. I picked the Chiefs to beat him in the AFC playoffs last year. Like, for my own sanity, let's just remove the Patriots from the equation, because until proven otherwise, obviously they're the favorites. Mahomes backing up his MVP season expectations on the Browns in Cleveland with all of those personalities and all of that talent. I mean, it's the best Browns team that I can remember ever watching. 
or being alive for to watch. Just stars everywhere. So Denzel Ward, Miles Garrett, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, Baker Mayfield, Miles Garrett. It's just, it's spectacular. Um, so expectations in Cleveland like I've never seen before is one. Pat Mahomes backing up one of the four greatest statistical quarterback seasons ever in his first year starting at 22. How he answers that call for his second year as a starter is another one. Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur is probably my number one. I believe that Aaron Rodgers was saddled with absolutely incompetent coaching that the league had passed Mike McCarthy by, that McCarthy and a standard West Coast system was fine for the beginning of Aaron Rodgers' career, and he deserves some credit for his development. But the league passed Mike McCarthy by. He did not adapt, and then therefore Aaron Rodgers did not adapt, and he kind of rebelled because Aaron Rodgers has some, some Kobe and some Michael Jordan in him. He's not the most coachable. And unlike basketball, one player can't totally take over consistently in the NFL because instead of one of five, it's one of 11 and one of 22 on the field. So a first-time head coach having to earn the trust and respect of one of the toughest guys to coach in the league who also happens to be arguably the most talented player at the history of the most important position who's got time left in his prime, but we don't know how long, and Matt LaFleur being in charge of it, He's absolutely one of my top four stories outside of the Patriots. And then, yo, I think it's time for Andrew Luck to fully, completely realize his potential this year. I love the Colts. I think that they should have, they've got high expectations. I think they should be higher. I think Chris Ballard is one of the five best general managers in the NFL. I think Andrew Luck is one of the five best talents at quarterback in the NFL. And what they're able to do off last year's draft class, first draft class with two first-team All-Pros since Gale Sayers and Dick Butkus for the Bears back in the 60s with Darius Leonard and Quentin Nelson came into the offseason with over $100 million in cap space, didn't come close to spending at all. They've got draft capital out the wazoo and Andrew Luck had was fifth in the NFL in passing yards last year, but just, he got healthy. He completed like 68% of his passes through for 4,600 passing yards, hung 39 touchdowns on the board. He went from one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the NFL to one of the least sacked quarterbacks in the NFL. They've upgraded around him. I thought they were actually going to upgrade more, frankly, but Chris Ballard's playing the long game. Andrew Luck is entering his prime. He is 29 years old, so he is firmly in his athletic prime. He's finally healthy. He has the best roster that he's had. He has by far the best general manager that he's ever had. And I think the Colts are potentially set up to challenge the Chiefs for AFC supremacy for the next five years. Like I like Cleveland, but I think there's still a bit of a question of how combustible that whole situation is and how high Baker Mayfield's ceiling is. And I think it's really high, but Baker Mayfield's ceiling is not Andrew Luck and it's not Pat Mahomes, at least not yet. So Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid teamed up. They'll always be in contention as long as he's healthy. 
and Andrew Luck as long as he's healthy with Chris Ballard as his general manager and that young talent and their cap situation, I think the Colts and the Chiefs are set up to whenever the Patriots are done, which might be 15 years from now. But that that feels like one of the four biggest stories for me as we go forward. People want to weigh in on theirs. We can do that coming up. Plus, a high-profile college coach weighed in on why attendance is going down both in college and the NFL, and he has it half right. I'll give you the other half coming up. This is the Danny Parkin Show. It is the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio, radio.com sports. In 20 minutes, I want to talk about how athletes can cut through and stand out from the pack beyond just dominance on the field or the court, because I think we got a great example of it this weekend. Talking big NFL storylines heading into the year, and in a minute, I'm going to get to the viewing experience of football fans, but uh, Carmen in Maryland has a question for a top storyline heading into the NFL season. Go ahead, Carmen. How do you think they're going to do this year? I hear their front or their front seven is uh, number one, right? Who? How do I, who's going to do? The Bears. I'm sorry. How do I think the Bears are going to do this year? Yes, sir. Well, I'm uh, I'm cautiously optimistic, Carmen, and I appreciate the call. I mean, the front seven is definitely the among the deepest, if not the deepest, in the NFL. They have a very talented roster. Um, I think they've got one of the best play callers and offensive minds in the NFL at coach and Matt Nagy. They, the question with the bears is a simple one. And I'm again, I do afternoons here in Chicago. Mitch Trubisky will be better this year than he was last year. The question is how much better. If he merely progresses, the bears still might have a low ceiling and a smaller margin for error. Because it's hard to imagine their defense is better than it was last year. The schedule is tougher than it was last year. And it's hard to imagine that they will have as much injury luck this year as they did last year. They went from the most guys injured uh, in terms of time spent on uh, the IR and games missed in back-to-back years and a record for the last 10 years since Pro Football Reference has held the data to one of the five least injured teams in terms of games missed last year. So they went from among the unluckiest with injuries to among the luckiest. And their defense was the best in the NFL and they upgraded at coach and all of those things. So turnover deferential was through the roof and all of that. Now, assuming the defense is still top five and assuming everyone progresses and gets better, they'll be in contention again. The question is, does Trubisky take the leap in year two in the offense? Cause everyone's like, Oh, he's a third year quarterback. He should be better by now. Sure. But if you look at when Carson Wentz took his jump Pat Mahomes taking his leap, Jared Goff taking his. It's the second year in a good offensive system. That's when guys have that leap. Because running an NFL offense, it's like speaking a new language. Tough to really become fluent in it in one year. And Trubisky had his last year at North Carolina in an offense. Then his rookie year, he was in Dow Loggins' outdated system. Then his second year in the NFL was his first year in Matt Nagy's system. So for three years of playing football, he was speaking three different languages. This is the first time in four-plus seasons that Mitch Trubisky will play in back-to-back seasons in the same offense. So he should take a leap. 
And if he takes a leap and the Bears have top half of the NFL quarterback play to go with top five offensive play calling on uh, the offensive side of the ball and top five overall defense, and they have relative injury luck, they're a Super Bowl contender. But if Trubisky just takes a mere step forward and they get bad injury luck, they could miss the playoffs because their division is really tough. So I think the Bears have a wide range, but they have a very, very high ceiling to answer your uh, to answer your question. I want to address something that came out of Big Ten Media Days that I found interesting. Northwestern football coach Pat Fitzgerald is considered one of the leading voices in college sports. He's on the list of all NFL job openings. If any tier one college football program has a job opening, Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern coach, is on the list. Northwestern opened a $270 million uh, athletic complex for all of their sports teams right there on Lake Michigan. He wins nine games at Northwestern, gets into bowl games, puts quarterback prospects into the NFL. He is, you just got a big transfer from Clemson, former five-star kid who's going to start this year. Like Northwestern is, I can't say it's the highest it's ever been. I mean, they have made a Rose Bowl before, but in terms of consistency, this is about as good as Northwestern football has been in the modern era. And Pat Fitzgerald's a huge reason why, but he was asked about why attendance is down in college football. And I think he makes a good point about society, but misses a point about football attendance. Uh, we'll listen to Fitz here. The way a lot of younger people and younger fans intake is all through technology. And I mean, you watch a concert and everybody's holding their phone up, like, listen, watch, take it in, create a memory. Cause they don't go back and watch the videos. They just want to post it on their social media, which is pathetic because it creates a society of, look at me, isn't my life great? Even though when they go home, they're like, I hate myself, I hate my life, everything's wrong. So I think it's a big cause. I think it's, I think it's the root cause, number one. Um, you know, I think the fans that grew up going and tailgating and the fans that grew up going to the stadiums four hours before the games are getting a little older. And I think the next and, and younger generation of fans are more reliant on technology. They'd rather have 12 TVs set up in their, in their TV watching cave than go to a game and experience the pageantry and the tailgating. So I think it's definitely things that we, we need to look at as, as, as a brand, college football, on how we can maybe create that type of environment and experience while respecting our communities and our neighborhoods to make sure the experiences that are happening don't impede on those neighborhoods. So I think Pat Fitzgerald's point about the social media generation of which I am a part, I'm 32 years old, call it 35 and younger. It is absolutely an accurate characterization to say in general, we are too addicted to our phones, screen time, and social media. This isn't a fault of our generation, though, because you could look at any study of how these social media apps work. This is by design by billionaires in Silicon Valley to give us that dopamine rush of a like or a retweet or a favorite or a poke or a whatever, a friend request. And 
if you post something on Instagram, it doesn't show you all of your likes right away. It drips it out to you over time. Even if 20 likes come in right at the same time, you don't go from zero to 20 likes. You'll go from six to nine to 15 up to 20 so that it keeps you searching and coming back and coming back and coming back and coming back. So they are engineering us to be addicted to social media. So I don't look at that as a fault of our generation. I look at it as a reality of our generation. So he's right, though, and I catch myself doing it, and my wife and I try to be active and present and aware of it, but she is frustrated with me being on Twitter. I'm frustrated with her being on Instagram. We sometimes catch ourselves like trying to remember something in a conversation, and one of us will just be like, ah, just Google it, and immediately go to their phones, and it's like, no. Let's use our brain to talk this through and problem solve and pretend we live in an era without the internet. So like Pat Fitzgerald is right about the impact on society of cell phones. Undeniable. But why attendance at football games is going down is not a young person thing, in my opinion. That's not a cell phone thing, in my opinion. The football viewing experience at home is better. Football got so popular that unlike baseball, America's last pastime, football has surpassed it as its new pastime. In baseball, I'm a Cubs fan. I watch the Cubs. So when I go to Wrigley Field, I don't feel like I'm missing out on Mets Phillies. Because I don't care about Mets-Phillies. There's 162 Cubs games, and I'd rather watch any Cubs game than any game involving any other two teams. Now, if it was a World Series game, that's different. But you could tell me that Fernando Tatis is playing against Vlad Guerrero Jr., and I'd rather watch Cubs-Reds because I care about the Cubs. And I can get the highlights of what Tatis or Vlad Jr. did later on a phone, later at Sports Center, whatever the case may be. In football, the popularity has surpassed baseball. And not only if you're in Chicago or are you a Bears fan, but you care about the Packers, maybe because you hate them. And you care about the Browns because Baker Mayfield's your fantasy quarterback. And you care about the Giants because Saquon Barkley is your fantasy running back. And you care about Seattle because you picked him in the survivor pool. And you care about the Chargers uh, because you bet the under in their game against the Raiders. So with football, because it's only on, you know, it's Sunday and Monday and Thursday, but because the vast majority of it's one day of the week, the NFL owns one day of the week. If I go to a Bears game at noon, I can't follow my fantasy team as closely. I can't follow my bets I'm missing highlights other places. I got to pay to park. I got to wait in line to go to the bathroom. There's going to be two or three fights. It's going to be cold. It's going to be rainy. It's going to be expensive. I'm going to miss the action. Same thing with college football. If I go to Northwestern Penn State, eh, it might be a good game. might not be. It's cold. It's expensive. It takes time. But I'm if that game starts at, uh, say that's an early game, starts at 11 a.m. Central. I'm not home until the second half of the 2.30 CBS SEC game. Maybe I miss uh, Clemson-Syracuse in the ACC game. 
uh, over on ABC. Like, I, I miss all the games. Football is so popular that people don't only care about their team. That is the most unbelievable accomplishment that a team sport could do. And that's not unique to young people. Sure, young people maybe play fantasy football at a higher rate or whatever, but old people gamble. Old people play fantasy football. Old people are in survivor pools. Old people don't like waiting in line for the bathroom. Old people like the Red Zone channel. Old people have NFL Sunday ticket. It's just, it's different. Football viewing is so great at home that I don't go to NFL games anymore unless it's a standalone game. If the Bears are playing Sunday night football and I'm not missing anything else, I'll go. If they're playing at noon on a Sunday, no, sir. I got the Bears on the 60-inch. I got Red Zone on the 50-inch, and I'm tracking my bets on the iPad. But that's not a young person thing. I don't. I mean, sure, maybe that level of technology is more of a young person thing. But loving the NFL at that level—that's not a young person thing. That's just football is better at home than it is in a stadium on the college level and the pro level. I think it's more drastic at the pro level than the college level, but I'd love to see some data that says people aren't going to college football games because they want to be on Twitter or Instagram. I don't think that's it. I think that football has perfected the television model in such a way that you feel like you're missing out if you go to a football game in a normal you know, 1 p.m. Eastern, 425 p.m. Eastern time slot. So it's de-incentivized you to go to games unless they're huge. Coming up next, an athlete cut through in terms of relevance without being great this particular weekend. I want to discuss why that is and what we want from our athletes in terms of their personality. That's coming up. It's the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 